0: So, goblins and ghouls, Angela here. I just wanted to give you guys a heads up on this week's story. Trigger warning, something like that. Um, Gets a little dark in places, and in some cases, we do talk about death of children and uh, dying in childbirth. So, uh, just wanted to put a warning out there for anyone who might need it. Hello, Goblins and Ghouls, and welcome to another episode of My Haunted Life Podcast with me, your host, Angela Hartshorn. How is everyone doing today? I hope you all had a good holiday weekend, no matter how or if you celebrate. Hopefully, you just had a good weekend. Uh, I hope you took a chance to support small businesses. But really, you don't need just one specific day to support small businesses. You can do that any time of year. And really, let's be honest with the way everything is kind of falling apart, might be the only way to get presents this year. Just saying. Uh, as I am sitting at the moment in cronk arts and curiosities if you follow any of my other accounts, I've been posting stupid videos and stuff, especially on TikTok. But seriously, you guys, the shop is gorgeous and I had a haunted experience here the other weekend, which I had a witness, I had someone here with me, and we're talking about uh, doing an episode on it. So I'm really excited about that. Anyways, continuing, total sidebar there. I'm gonna take some coffee here. Not much in the way of housekeeping right now. I'm working on getting organized, I know, shocking, for next year. And once a month I want to do a theme for all the podcasts. Like January I was thinking spiritualist stories or ghostly winter snow stories, I don't know. Uh, February I was thinking love gone wrong. March, I was thinking uh, Salem stories, because y'all know I love my Salem stuff. And that would be an anniversary, because everything started March 1st. April, I was thinking haunted theaters, but let me know. Let me know what you guys think. Also, on my way here today, I had an idea for a end of the year celebration per se I think it would be fun I'm going to put it on the Facebook group and I'll put it online and everywhere but I want to know what were your favorite podcasts of all time at this point because really I've only been around like a year and four months something like that so There's like 50 podcasts to choose from. But um, I think it'd be fun to do either like a top 10, maybe a top three. And that will probably be played at the end of December. Just for a happy new year kind of thing. I'll get that all set up and I'll let you guys know. But keep your eyes out for it. This week... Finally, I'm bringing back our girl, Resurrection Mary. I know a few of you have written me going, when are we gonna get Mary back? And she's back. You were supposed to have her last week, but all of my research disappeared. So basically had to restart everything. (laughs) It it was very stressful. I got most of it back, some of it's still gone. But whatever. Here we are. So, there, and the thing is, there was so much to these stories. I was like shocked that it's as big as it was. Like, I didn't, I didn't expect this. I really didn't. Uh, there has been decades of sightings and her story has morphed over time. And it, it it's weird because her story comes out of this little area. It's a very seedy area where there's a lot of crime and death. So there, there's some strong energies in the area. And I'm definitely going to be talking about that in the next one because we're getting to Mary podcasts. So today... We are talking about who Mary was. And that was an adventure in and of itself. Because you really... We really don't know, to put it precisely. I have a few theories. Like, if there's just one, I have my favorite one. But I have a new theory I'll discuss at the end. So let's get into it shall we grab yourself a cup of tea make sure the doors are locked and the sage is close by i have a story to tell you this story comes from the chicago tribune october 25th 1992 Whatever the reason, Bob Maine is one of the only men who claims to have seen the Ghost of Mary twice in the same month at a nightclub he managed in 1973. Says Maine, forty of Homer Township. This was something I'll never forget. Maine was the night manager at Harlow's, now closed, a dance club at 8058 South Cicero Avenue, Chicago. This was the Glitter Rock era, and we saw a lot of strange people. But one Friday night, then two weeks later, on a Saturday night, this woman came in. She was about 24 to 30 years old, five foot eight to five foot nine, slender, with yellow blonde hair to her shoulders, that she wore in these big spoolie curls coming down from a f- high forehead. She was really pale, like she had powdered her face and her body. She had on this old dress that was yellow, like a wedding dress left in the sun. She sat right next to the dance floor and she wouldn't talk to anyone. She danced all by herself, this paro type dance. People were saying, who is this most bizarre chick? When Maine and others tried to talk to her, the woman would only shake her head. Maine said, and seemed to look through you. She had this teardrop on her cheek that looked like nail polish but when you got right up to her it looked like her eye was bleeding but the strangest thing was even though we carted everyone who came in there I worked the door and there were waitresses and bartenders and people there nobody either night ever saw her come in and never saw her leave So who was Mary? Well, there are actually a lot of candidates for who Mary was in life. There are at least 70 young women named Mary who were laid to rest at Resurrection Cemetery between about 1910 and 1935. So there's a lot and I'm not going to go through every single one because there were there are a few that are commonly cited i'm going to start with the one that i think fits the narrative the most and then give you some of the other commonly cited ones and just some interesting ones so mary bergovi was a fun loving gal in her early 20s. She was born April 7th, 1912, and from what I read, she was definitely an Aries. She worked as a factory worker to help support her mom and two younger brothers, and apparently she loved going dancing. She loved the nightlife. She sounded like she was feisty and full of life, a close friend of Bergo, Bergovi, Grovi, uh, Vern R- Klawski remember, you don't come here for uh, pronunciations, but I'm trying, discovered in the mid-1980s that her late friend's name was being connected to the famous Phantom and was interviewed by the South Town Economist On January 22nd, 1984, she said of Mary, she was personality plus. She always had a smile and you never heard, you never saw her unhappy. I love the personality plus thing. I think I've only ever heard my grandmother say something like that. So this has made my heart happy. Vern also had pictures of Mary posing on the running boards of old Model A's and Model T's. She had short brown or dark wavy uh, she had a short brown or dark wavy haircut just past her cheekbones. She went on to describe the faithful day of the accident. When the two women had planned to go shopping on March 10, 1934, near 47th Street and Ashland Avenue, including uh, Goldblatt's department store. From my research, Goldblatt's was your classic department store. It had clothing stores and a deli and a snack shop. So my mind immediately goes to Miracle on 34th Street and the old Macy's and Gimbel's stores, where it's literally like its own small little city. So it seemed like they had a pretty fun day planned ahead of them. The girls accepted a ride to the popular shopping district from two young men who Bergovi had met, but Vern became irritated with the young man who she remembered as wild boys. After getting into their car to go for a ride, Vern took an instant dislike to them. She said, They looked like wild boys, and for some reason, I just didn't like them. Vern added that they drove recklessly, turning corners on two wheels and speeding down narrow streets. On their way home, Bergovi criticized Verne's unfriendliness and her disapproval of Bergovi's taste in men. Finally, Verne demanded to be let out of the car a few blocks from home. She asked Mary if she planned to go out with the young men that night, and Mary said that she did. Verne urged her to reconsider Not only because she didn't like the boys, but also because her parents had already told her that she couldn't. I don't know why. It just kept saying that her... In all these different accounts that I read, just kept saying her parents didn't want her to go out. I don't know if it was like she had gotten in trouble and she was grounded or... They knew she was a party girl. I don't know. School night homework. I don't know. But for some reason, her parents wanted her to stay home. And, but it sounded, like I said, it sounded like it wasn't just for like a family event or something. It's, but I could be completely wrong. Again, the accounts from Vern just say she was supposed to stay home. Mary shrugged off her friend's warnings. She simply replied, you never like anyone I introduce you to. Vern stood watching on the street corner as Mary and the young men roared away in the car. It was the last time that she would ever see her friend alive. Vern stayed home that Saturday night and was awakened the next morning by her mother, who informed Byrne that Mary had been killed in a car accident in the loop sometime during the evening. The Chicago Tribune reported on March 11, 1934, girl killed in crash, Miss Marie Burgovi, 21 years old, 4611 South Damon Avenue was killed last night when the auto in which she was riding cracked up at, there's a word missing there, street, and Wacker Drive. John Riker, 23, of 15 North Knight Street, Park Ridge, suffered a possible skull fracture and is in the county hospital. John Tho- Thiel, 25, 5216 South Loomis, driver of the car, and Miss Virginia Rozanski, 22, of forty-eight, forty-nine South Lincoln, now well-caught, were shaken up and scratched. The scene of the accident is known to to the police as a dangerous spot. Thiel told police he did not see the L substructure. She was taken to Iroquois Hospital, which was started from funds donated from the Iroquois Theater Fire, which I'll talk about that more later. Some stories say she died on the scene and others say she died en route to the hospital and others say she died in the hospital. Three days later, Mary's Polish and Czechoslovakian parents buried their daughter at Resurrection Cemetery. Bergovi's parents would later learn, although their daughter had been sitting in the back seat before the accident happened, she was persuaded by her friend Virginia to switch seats since apparently Virginia was no longer getting along with the driver, Thiel, John Thiel. Gobi was happy to oblige because of that. She was thrown through the passenger window when their car struck one of the I-beams, of the downtown elevated structure for the overhead rail systems. She was buried in Resurrection Cemetery. <clears throat> in 1983, John Satler who had been operating the Sadala funeral home for nearly 60 years, which happened to be down the block from Mary's home, was interviewed by the Southtown Economist. He was in his 80s at the time of the article and chomped a cigar as he spoke to reporters about Miss Burgovey. She was a hell of a nice girl, he said. Very pretty. She was buried in an orchid dress. He opened a huge record book and smoked as he flipped to a page about her records. Now I recall she died in an auto accident. I remember having to sew up the side of her face. Very pretty. So, is Rex... So, is Resurrection Mary, Mary Burgovi? According to the legend, she seems to be the best fit. The time period fits. She's about the right age. She died in an automobile accident on the night she was out dancing. She was buried in Resurrection Cemetery. All the key points are there. There are a few discrepancies, though. Mary Burgovi had short dark hair and the stories always talk about a blonde with long hair and curls. Always curls. The legend also states that she is seen in a white dress. Mary Burgovi was buried in an orchid dress which is like a bright purple. It is stated in the legend that Resurrection Mary died on Archer Avenue But Mary Brigovey didn't. The only places Wacker intersects with the L substructure, which many believe the intersection was Wacker and Lake, is in downtown Chicago. Nowhere near Resurrection Cemetery. I don't know if it really necessarily uh, matters, to be perfectly honest, since she's Buried at Resurrection Cemetery. Also, when you look up Mary Brigovi in Resurrection Cemetery, there are actually two. There is one that is marked, and I believe she lived to a much older age and time period, and one that is not. There are a few reasons for this. And you might be like, why, why is one not marked? Let's get into it. And during the 1920s and 30s, term graves were sold in Resurrection Cemetery for 25-year increments. That already is a weird thing if you think about it. I had to ask my mom about term graves because it was something I had never heard of until I started doing research. And My mom works at uh, local cemeteries here in Colorado Springs, and she had not heard of it outside of Europe, especially Germany. When I started doing all this research, apparently it's very popular in Germany, but They were doing it in in Chicago in the 20s and 30s, apparently. And it's exactly that. It's buying a space in a cemetery for a certain amount of time. When the term was up, the family could repurchase the grave again for another 25 years. Or they didn't have to repurchase. If they didn't, the marker would be removed, the land would be regraded, and someone would be buried on top of them for a discounted price. But the term was now for 99 years. Why? I don't know. I don't know why it goes up to 99 years. Some term grave agreements said that if the grave is not leased again, The body would be disinterred, so dug up and moved elsewhere. That elsewhere depended on the cemetery. That being said, there are no cemetery records of digging Mary Bergovi up or moving her, because according to Satla, There are permits needed for that, and there's no record of this. So in Mary's case, her grave was probably not repurchased, and she was buried over the top of. There's another theory that the cemetery moved her to a secret location because of the publicity and looky-loos, though the cemetery denies this. It would make sense, though famous graves have a tendency to attract vandals and attention and then there's the fact that friends of burgovi claimed that after her death they started seeing her on the side of the road in her short brown hair and her orchid dress And then she would just disappear. Like some of the Resurrection Mary claims, not just by friends, talk about a purple dress. There's not a lot. Which I thought was very interesting. Some of these stories claimed that she would jump on the side rails of the cars as they drove by. So they were close enough to be able to And this, of course, would scare the hell out of them. And they would just mysteriously vanish. Our next Mary is Anna Maya Norcus, who died July 20th, 1927. Anna Norkis is an interesting contender. Her legend goes that her father picked her up from a night of dancing. Some claim from the O. Henry, now the Willowbrook, which we've heard that name five million times at this point. It was the eve of her 13th birthday. As they were driving home, her father didn't see part of the elevated railway I am assuming the elevated railroad and the car and car collisions were fairly common back then because a lot of these stories have it that that seems to be an essential part of these stories when i was in chicago i got to see the elevated railroad system and without proper lighting and signage I can definitely see it being insanely dangerous. Apparently, at this time, they were fairly dark, it sounded like, and it was something they had to push for, was more street lighting. I read in one thing that I lost the research on, but it just something about these overhead rail... Roads just seemed to be so dangerous. Anna's father swerved to miss it when he finally saw it. The car flipped and Anna was crushed under the car. So I wonder if she fell out and then was crushed, I assume. Her family wanted her buried at St. Casimir Cemetery in Chicago. But there was a gravedigger's strike, so she got buried at Resurrection Cemetery in a term grave. But her tombstone was put at St. Casimir. I had never heard of St. Casimir, so I had to look it up. He apparently is the patron saint of Luther. Lithuania Lu- and Lithuanian youth. There are a few discrepancies in Anna being Resurrection Mary. Before you are all like, well, her name is Anna. Her middle name is I've, I saw it pronounced so many ways, but Maya. Spelled M-A-I-J-A, which I read somewhere is the Polis, Polish version of Mary. I also saw Hebrew. Again, I tried to find a proper pronunciation for this, and I just, for the life of me, <laughs> could not find one just one like it all depends on the area and there's like 5 million pronunciations one way or another is supposed to be a version of Mary all records show she was buried at St. Casimir the entire time there was no gravedigger strike At least officially at that time. Maybe there was something unofficially. Think, like, I don't know, pilots calling in sick during the uh, vaccination stuff. Nothing official, but, you know, enough to throw a wrench in the system. So it's possible, but nothing is cited about it. Um... One of the big things, why I personally don't think she's Mary, she was 12 years old. I know the story says it was the eve of her birthday, but it wasn't. It was actually like six weeks away from her 13th birthday, but honestly, close enough. Legends are, you know, they pick and choose, but it's it's close enough. She was blonde. But she had bobbed hair. She had short hair. Light colored eyes. Which is another. Frequently. Sighted thing. The crash happened. Near 66. In Harlem. Which was near her home. But wasn't really near. The Willowbrook. Or Resurrection Cemetery. Again. I don't think that's a big deal, (laughs) if she's supposedly buried at Resurrection Cemetery secretly. Okay, an early version of the legend of Resurrection Mary states that she was actually with her father when the accident happened and she was killed. In this case, she was indeed with her father, but she was also with several other family members. William Wasner, 32. Loretta. Oh, I can't. G W O Z D Z. If anyone has any idea how to pronounce that, please let me know. 14. Sophie Norcus, 16, who was Anna's sister. And Adam Luanke, 58, who also ended up dying of injuries sustained in the crash. The part about the O. Henry actually might be possible, which I thought was sweet. Apparently, the O. Henry would host nights that were family friendly, so All ages could come and dance under the stars. I just, this makes my heart happy because this reminds me of like, I remember going to a few of these different bars and places growing up around here where there would be family friendly things and you could go and do this stuff. My mind goes to like, Roller rinks, because those were popular again in the 90s. And it just, it just, I could see this. Like, the whole family went out. This other older gentleman was probably, you know, hanging out with their dad, because the dad stuck with the girls kind of thing, and just wanted to take them out and do stuff. And then tragedy strikes, and it just, it hurts my heart. Next Mary is Mary Miskowski. In my research, I kept finding these stories relating to people claiming that Mary was their babysitter growing up. But I could never find the story. There's, there was this, always this a weird reference to Mary being somebody's babysitter so they would have this story and I was like I couldn't find it I found it and it made me very happy so I found this in the Resurrection Mary Files book by Adam Selzer and he quotes another author which I didn't realize because I use him (laughs) For both this story and the next one, uh, author Troy Taylor. And he was contacted by an elderly woman who said that Resurrection Mary had been her babysitter in the 1920s. She identified the ghost as being the spirit of Mary Miskowski, who lived on the 4900 block of South Damon Avenue. Only blocks away from Mary Bergoby's house. So we definitely, again, have this weird area pinpoint. Damon Avenue in that area, it's interesting. According to her story, Mary was 19, still living at home, when she was killed in a car crash. On Archer Avenue. On or around Halloween in 1930. So we have the time. Halloween's just kind of a fun extra thing. The story went that she had been attending a costume party. Dressed in her mother's old wedding dress. Now. This is such a good story, except for the fact that factually nothing adds up. (laughs) Mary Miskowski died in 1956 in her mid-40s. She had gone off, gotten married, had a couple of kids. To me, the mid-40s still sounds fairly young to die. I couldn't find what she had died from. But obviously dying in 1956 is, doesn't work. It just doesn't work to the story. She was also buried in Evergreen Cemetery in Chicago, not Resurrection Cemetery, which is kind of an important part to the story. So, our next possible Mary is Julia Buccalopetta, the Italian bride. So, to me, historically, following the stories, this one doesn't fit. It's a little far-fetched. Let me know what you think, though. I have seen it pop up in a couple places as a possible Mary but nothing really fits except for the woman in white phenomenon but to be perfectly honest it might be one of my new favorite stories it's just too good not to share and because it was so good and she is a supposed Mary explanation I had to I just had to share it with you guys. This comes from Troy Taylor and American Hauntings, Inc. Julia was born on June 6th, 1891 in Italy. Her father, George, passed away in 1913 and her mother, Philomena, immigrated to the United States with her daughter. They traveled to the west side of Chicago, where three other Bukala oh, I feel so bad children, Henry Joseph and Rose-ala had already Rosalina had already settled. In June 1920, Julia married Matthew Petta at Holy Rosary Church on North Damon Avenue. I need to see if North Damon Avenue... Like, is this a huge cross-section of town that I need to know about? I need to look that up. Because everything happens on this street in this area. Julia became pregnant soon after the wedding. But, sadly, complications occurred. And on March seventeenth, 1921... Julia died while giving son to, giving birth to her son. Filippo because of the Italian tradition that dying in childbirth made a woman a type of martyr. Julia was buried in white, the martyr's color. Her wedding dress also served as her burial gown and with her dead infant tucked into her arms, the two were laid to rest in a single coffin in Mount Carmel Cemetery. So, I'm going to pause for a second. We have the right timeline. Oddly, married in... A similar area wrong cemetery. and This story's just it's just so sad. <laughs> Philomena, Julia's mother, was inconsolable over her daughter's death. Shortly after Julia was buried, she began to experience strange and terrifying dreams every night. In These nightmares, she dreamt Julia was telling her that she was still alive and needed her help. For the next six years, six years, you guys, the dreams plagued Philomena and she began trying to have her daughter's grave opened and her body exhumed and she kept being turned down. Finally, through sheer persistence, her request was granted. A sympathetic judge passed down an order to exhume Julia's body. In 1927, six years after Julia's death, the casket was removed from the grave. Six years. Here's the thing. When it was opened, Julia's body was found not to have decayed at all. In fact, it was said that her flesh was still soft as it had been when she was alive. A photograph was taken at the time they exhumed her body. And it shows Julia's incorruptible body in the casket. And it looks like she's just sitting there sleeping. It's strange. (laughs) Philomena set out to raise money for a more elaborate tombstone. The finished work was a grandiose tribute to her dead daughter a life-size sculpture of Julia on her wedding day. Her mother and other admirers affixed a post-mortem photo of Julia on the front of her grave monument. Below the image is the Italian phrase, which I'm not even going to try, which roughly translates to taken six years after death. It just, wow. A photo of Julia in her bridal gown, which seems to be the inspiration for the statue, was also fastened to the stone. And I have the post-mortem photograph, and I'll include that in the show notes along with all the other pictures of the girls that I have. I'll try to find a picture of the grave, too. That, probably, that part's probably easy. So, to go into it a little bit more. The post-mortem photograph shows a body that appears to be fresh with no discoloration of the skin, even after six years. The rotted and decayed appearance of the coffin in the photo, however, bears witness to the fact that it had been underground for some time. Again, it just looks like she's laying there sleeping. Julie appears to be merely sleeping. Like, you look at her and she's, again, just resting. Here's the thing, though. Her infant that was nestled in her arms had also started to decompose along with the casket. It was... Just Julia that hadn't been. Really devout Catholics in the neighborhood believed that Julia's incorruptibility meant she was a saint. Some people believed that the postmortem photography, the photo of her taken, was really taken before she died, and they were just using it to raise money, even though the money went back to the grave. So I don't understand why that would be a big deal, but I don't know. Even though in the picture you can see at least the casket. I'll take a closer look. I don't think you can see the infant, but um, now I want to check before I post it. But you can see the casket has decomposed. So weird. Another explanation is attributed to Adro Adposer. I'm going to get the correct pronunciation for that later. Also known as corpse wax a waxy substance consisting chiefly of fatty acids and calcium soaps that is formed during decomposition of dead body fat in moist or wet anaerobic conditions. In other words, the shape and state of Julia's body was preserved by a natural process. So, it's me. I couldn't help myself. I had to go down a bit of a rabbit hole with corpse wax. And it's a thing. It's just your body breaking down slightly differently. And those fatty issues just coming to the top. The, I hate to say it, but like the best way I understood it was, think of a piece of meat after it's cooked and like a really good fatty piece, like pork belly or something. And how that fat looks, that's how my mind understood and pictured this. But apparently, it's, it's not uncommon. It's not common, but it's not an uncommon thing. I even found a story of it possibly happening in the depths of Lake Superior. I was so excited by this. I think I'm going to have to save that for water stories in the summer. The weird thing to me with this we have we have julia in this weird corpse wax state i would like to know and maybe someone out there can help explain this to me because i would love to know i am now fascinated why didn't the infant's body also decompose like that that to me is the weird thing so who knows maybe Julia is a saint but again it's it's kind of a far-fetched one for Mary but who knows Is Mary, As a spirit, she is definitely an intelligent apparition, but maybe she's more than that. Maybe she's been learning and evolving with time. There are stories of her dress looking like it's been aged, even though she doesn't seem to age. Her clothing seems to be changing, like that funky yellow color to it. And in some cases, updating her wa- wardrobe. Which is fascinating. <laughs> I personally have a new theory. And maybe it's not new. But, in all of my research, I'm wondering, maybe it's all of them. Maybe all of these spirits are Mary and they're just all attributed to resurrection Mary I know that's confusing but hear me out and of course except for Mary Miskowski because she died much later all of these women were young and in the prime of their lives well Anna was getting there but you know what I mean they were lively and and spunky from all accounts and maybe their spirits just weren't ready to stop dancing just yet. Kind of a classic recipe for a haunting. Their unfinished business is not getting that one last dance and considering they were all so young, their death is literally that unfinished business. Maybe that explains all the different descriptions of Mary. They're all different Marys. And maybe it's one of those things like with Julia or or Anna. Seeing a woman in white on the side of the road. And they are immediately attributed to resurrection Mary. Maybe we just have a whole lot of lively ghosts in the area. And it sounds like a dangerous area. Car crashes. Organized crime. It's Chicago, for God's sakes. Maybe just all of these Lives that are cut short—they just stick around and are all attributed to Mary. Maybe that's why, like in the opening story, where Bob Maine saw her dancing in a bar twice during the glam rock era, with a single tear glittering on her face that looked like fingernail polish. The way he described it sounded very sticky, Ziggy Stardust to me. In another story from Ralph, who was a cab driver in Chicago, he picked up Mary in disco shoes. His story goes, it was Thursday night, would have been two weeks ago, and I was lost basically, says Ralph, a cab driver. I dropped this big spender way the hell down in Palos Heights or Hills or someplace like that and was trying to make my way back to the tollway. I just turned on to Archer down there where it's still lonely back road, especially at midnight. And there she was. She was standing there with no coat on by the entrance to this little shopping center. No coat! And it was one of those real cold ones. She didn't put out her thumb or nothing like that. She just looked at my cab. Of course I stopped. I figured maybe she had car trouble or something. She hopped right in the front seat. She had on this fancy kind of white dress like she had just been to a wedding or something and those new kind of disco-type shoes with the straps and that. She was a looker, a blonde. I didn't have ideas or like that. She was young enough to be my daughter, 21 top. I asked her where she was going and she said she had to get home. I asked her what was wrong, if she had car trouble or what, but she really didn't answer me. She was fuzzy. Maybe she had a couple drinks or something or was just tired. I don't know. Oh, the only thing she did say really was the snow came early this year or the snows came early this year or like that other than that she just nodded when I asked sometimes if we were supposed to just keep going up Archer she was just looking out the window at the snow and the trees and that her mind was a million miles away Maybe she smoked something or something, who knows. A couple miles up Archer there, she jumped with a start like a horse, you know, and said here! Here! I hit the brakes. I looked around and didn't see no kind of house. Where? I said. And then she sticks out her arm and points across the road to my left and says there. And that's when it happened. I looked to my left, like this, at this little shack. And when I turned back, she was gone. Vanished. And that car door never opened. May the good Lord strike me dead. It never opened. Maybe there's something about the area that keeps and attracts these lively spirits. In my research, I discovered that Chicago, especially this area, is a hotbed of paranormal activity. There are numerous UFO sightings, hauntings, I've even seen references to a Chicago Triangle or a Resurrection Triangle. Think Bermuda Triangle of weird happenings. I'm still doing research on that. That was part of my research that was unfortunately lost. But that is going to be in the next episode. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. Thank you to everyone out there listening today. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, especially the next one that's going to try to, I'm going to really try to wrap up the Resurrection Mary episodes. If you like the show, please tell your friends and family about it. Word of mouth goes a long way. If you have a ghost story to share, don't forget to drop me a line at myhauntedlifepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow my Haunted Life Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm going to be posting videos and pictures of all of our Marys that I have pictures of on there. So if you want to check out what these ladies look like, we also have the My Haunted Life Podcast Facebook group. Which is probably where the voting for the top 10 New Year's episodes are going to be. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please subscribe to the Patreon. You can support the show for as little as $2 a month. I am going to be getting back to doing the special top 10 ghost stories on there here shortly. I owe you guys a Halloween one still. Got a little bit crazy there. And that's it for this show. I'll see you all next week on My Haunted Life Podcast. And until then, stay spooky.